You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 227 of the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. And last week we were in New Zealand talking to a Norwegian farmer. And this week we're keeping the down under theme and we're heading across the Tasman Sea to Australia. And I'm meeting Rachel McGrath, who is a dairy farmer based in southwest Victoria. Uh, she farms with her dad, and the herd is made up of stud jerseys, brown Swiss, and some crossbreeds. Uh, they also have some sheep and some horses on the farm. Um, Rachel, thank you for coming on Meet the Farmers. I spoke to you for the Kite podcast um, last year, um, but it's really good to have you on this one. Um, how are you doing? Um, just before we started recording, you said you're off on some short travels soon. Yes, yeah, so we've been uh, planning for... and. Finally, it's uh, come around is uh, International Dairy Week. So we've spent the last couple of weeks, lots of lists, lots of planning. And <laughs> now it's finally coming together. We've nearly got everything packed. After this, I've got to go put the silage in the back of the trailer so that um, we're right to go. We'll leave at four o'clock in the morning um, and the cows will leave at about 9.30, 10 o'clock so that we get up before them and get everything set up. It's really exciting. Can you just tell us a little bit more about it as an event? Yeah, so um, it's quite huge. Uh, there's six breeds. So there's Holstein, Jersey, Guernsey, Ayrshire, Illawarra, and I know I've missed one. <laughs> oh, no, that's a great that's start. And the other one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we take is um, we've got Jerseys, uh, Brown Swiss, two Illawarras, and... Um, We've, I've just recently purchased a red Holstein, so oh, really? just venturing into that, yeah. yeah I wanted one for a while, and then I was like, Mum, will you please go halves with me? So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe on that, let's, let's start with that in terms of just, just tell us um, a bit about the herd um, numbers and, and a bit about the business, how it's sort of grown over time. Well, um, when I was little, we actually we had quite a big farm. Um, we milked. We got up to, I think mum said 997, but that was before I was on the farm. And then we had a farm accident, which uh, threw a curveball. Um, a fellow who was living with us and working with us um, drove across our road in front of a truck and, and was uh, killed. So oh, wow. we had to sell that farm. Yeah, it took a long time to get back going again. But um, so that happened in 2007. We sold that dairy in 2008 and didn't, we just ran beef there until 2011. And we were like, right, we're not making enough money to pay for anything. So we approached the bank and um, went into more debt and built another dairy, <laughs> <laughs> which is then where I left school. And uh, well, I left school later that year um, and pursued the, the role on our family farm in uh, the, on the dairy farm. And, uh, we were just sort of whatever we could get cheap um, crossbreds and everything. And then my brother about six years ago took a interest in showing cattle. So then we made the move. So that's where we went with the stud cattle then and uh, got the jerseys. 
then the brown swiss come along um uh yeah so it's family run farm uh we get some outside help from backpackers um here and there in the busy times yeah it's uh it's good it's been good i'm 12 years now so it's very good and, and, and tell us tell us more about um victoria as well for for anyone who doesn't know it as, as a state for victoria uh so like where i am from in particular it's probably more more mild climate i'd say where generally you know we don't have the hottest of summers and we don't have the coldest of winters so i like to think we're in a really good spot um and then northern victoria which is where we're going for international dairy week it's going to be hot um we're going to be taking the cows up to an average of 30 to 35 degrees i've been looking at the weather last year it was like 42 um it's hot yeah so fans are on misters are on um just try and keep them eating keep them cool as best we can it's but it's it's a huge show and it's um you know like it's the it's the elite show really and then obviously you've got Gippsland as another really big dairy area which would have a much higher rainfall um and a lot of a lot more mountainy sort of area uh, but great dairy country over there let's talk a little bit about your career um you said that you started working on the farm uh, when you were 17 how have you taken things um since then um, just give us a little insight into your your, your time on your farm and and how uh, how you've grown, I suppose, um, in in dairy through that time. So I um, started working on the school holidays, and then it come to uh, starting my final year of school, and I said, "Mum, I don't want to go back." And she said, "Okay, the only way that you can leave school is if you do some more education." And I said, "Right." Okay. So I did a um, a search and it was it's called rural operations but basically it was just agriculture and you could sort of pick your subjects so in that I did um I had to do obviously the compulsory ones which is your work health safety operational health safety stuff um and I did my AI certificate my preg testing certificate um I did a bit of metal fab which I haven't gone back to so I'm no good at that (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, oh, and I also got my medium rigid license, uh, through that as well. So quite a, a broad sort of area. And then I was just working day to day for, uh, probably about, that was 2012, so probably about, uh, four, no, maybe six years. Anyway, I decided that, um, I think I can get more out of this and, you know, I wanted to learn more and obviously I was learning off dad, but it's just, that was generational sort of stuff. So I uh, enrolled in Cert for at Rist, which is um, a local ag school that allows you to work full time and study. Yeah, I got a, got a little bit more um, education there with uh, nutrition and pastures, as well as your compulsory um, subjects. And through that, I was networking with people, and I got on the New Zealand Study Tour, um, which okay. was fully funded from the Gardner Foundation. And, you know, that sort of is where a few doors opened, I guess, uh, networking with people from there. And then because there was media stuff involved with that, I then we had to come back and speak about our trip, which was really like quite frightening in front of everyone. But then I suppose it sort of got my name out there. My mum was already speaking at 
uh, like she spoke at Nuffield down in Tassie one year and um, the Australian Dairy Conference about the accident that we had on the farm and sort of trying to um, help people along with it. And then because I was doing a little bit of public speaking, they were like, hang on, how about we get a younger person in to see like how they dealt with it and their resilience. And so I spoke at the Australian Dairy Conference. Uh, that was just before uh, COVID hit. And then, yeah, since then I've become, oh, I also just graduated, last year graduated my um, uh, Diploma of Agriculture as well. I decided I want to do a bit more again. Just, just, just on the just side, hungry why to not? Do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, with Risto, I was able to study that and work full time. And yeah, i become a dairy, um, a dairy ambassador with Dairy Australia. And I've been to Canberra, um, done media training in Melbourne. You know, it's just, it's, Dairy, there's so many things with it. And, you know, if you put yourself out there, that everyone's willing to, to help you and get you along. Yeah, I, I love that as well. And it's, it, I think you're a great example of showing how you can like, engage with so much stuff out there in the industry in terms of your professional development. You just have to go out there and find it and, and, and do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's uh let's all go on to the farm. Um, in terms of working with your dad, so I'm just interested in the day to day in terms of responsibilities, how it works. You said you have some occasional outside help as well. Yeah, so day to day, um, obviously morning and afternoon milking, but it's no two days are the same like ever. Um, <laughs> you could be feeding calves. Um, we've just finished the harvest and stuff, but um. Generally, yeah, plenty of feeding, uh, making sure that our animals are vaccinated, drenched. Um, yeah, and just, I suppose, keeping on top of the computer work is just as important as doing the outside work, which I hate. Yep. I hate so much. <laughs> um, but there, it is a huge aspect of it. And, you know, uh, I work, my sister does the books on the farm. So, you know, we try and work closely together to make sure that, you know, we're making a profit. Um, and not just running into the ground. Obviously, we spent so long of really like chasing our own tail after the accident that it took until 2019 for us to be like, we're actually making money again. So, you know, we've, we've known what it's like to be quite hard and it's been stressful on the family and like mum and dad, like they want to give us everything that they can. They can. And um, when times were tough, you know, you could see that stress on them. Can we just turn actually briefly to farm safety? Because certainly in, in the UK, it's um, and around the world as well, it is known as being one of, if not the most in many parts of the world, dangerous professions out there. Um, what What is the situation in Australia and, and what sort of support is there out there? And, and our farm, I'm just interested in whether farmers talk about farm safety um, and, and how they do. Yeah, so at industry level, um... They, they do courses and and um, not just courses, but you would go away and, you know, there'd be information sessions, that's it, um, about it. And definitely uh, we have to dot all our I's and cross all of our T's, make sure that employees are wearing helmets on the quad bikes. Every quad bike must have a roll bar. Um, you know, everyone has to do their induction and be signed off and that they're competent before, before they do anything. There is a lot um, that you you definitely have to do to make sure, but then also follow up with it because, like, you could be doing a job a million times, but then you become complacent, and then that's where the issue is. And I know, like, I've 
at times like I'll be just doing a job or I'll be rushing it and then I'll be like, whoa, that could have been bad or something. You know, uh, like I was pulling cedars out of cow- uh, heifers not long ago and I just put my hand in between a bar and then went to pull it out, but she walked back and I twisted my oh, arm my to get out of it. But I was like, oh, I could have broken my arm. And then I was like, well, what if, what if I did? Like, how would yep. that affect the farm then? So I was like, don't make silly mistakes, like silly mistakes or make silly mis- decisions. Yeah. Things can happen so quickly, can't they, as well? It's those, it's those split, exactly. split decisions um, that make all yeah. the, all the difference. I'm also interested in your thoughts. So I've I've just been to the Oxford Farming Conference here, and um, one of one of the talks, sort of, uh, well, one of the conversations actually, sort of delved into this, um, sort of era of farm safety when it comes to linking with getting younger people onto farms and recruitment, and there was the sort of discussion gauge between, well, it's a dangerous industry, therefore I don't have the time to uh to to spend to spend the time putting sufficient training in but at the same time you've got to yeah you've got to start somewhere what's what's your view on that in terms of recruiting younger people but who perhaps don't have any much on-farm experience but also keeping them safe on farm yeah so well in particular the backpackers that we get so the international employees yeah um you know they're they're generally young um and what people probably don't want to do either is because these guys stay for their 88 days. So they're, they're only with us for three months. And a lot of people are like, oh, the first month they're keen, the second month or the well, first month you're teaching them, the second month they've got it, the third month they're ready, they're already looking out the door sort of thing. Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, oh, we don't want to be spending that time. But we have been very lucky. We've had a lot of Irish workers and they, they've probably like been the, the strongest and good work ethic. Um, okay. Shout but, out! Shout out yeah. to all those Irish out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four sitting out there now. I've got two flown <laughs> over uh, to help me at International Dairy Week, so oh, um, they'll love this. Uh, <laughs> but it's definitely like very important. But the thing is, is that we need the help. So do it right and teach them right, and then you can trust that they're going to do it. I I think half the time that I've got PTSD from the accident. You know, if someone goes around on the motorbike too fast. I'm like, oh, please slow down or get off. Or, you know, I think of the worst case scenario because obviously we did have worst case scenario and I don't ever want that to happen again to us or to anyone. This episode is being supported by our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. The Howden team shares my passion for giving a voice to farmers and we have both driven to raise the profile of farming voices to a wider audience. Howden Rural do a lot of work on social media themselves, sharing farming accounts and farming stories. They have a rural community blog which shares farmers' experiences. They also support a growing number of initiatives that champion UK farmers, including this podcast. So a big thank you to Howden Rural for supporting Meet the Farmers. Uh, stand away from the farm for a bit. I mean, do, do you actually ever do you ever get away from farm? And I'm I mean here for like non-farm stuff as opposed to as opposed to all the extra stuff. Do you, do you get any time to do anything else? I have actually booked with my friends three days uh, very soon after Dairy Week to go camping along a oh, river. Amazing and well done. And just go paddleboarding and stuff like that. I was just um. We had a salmonella break outbreak um, early December, 
and yeah. I was just there every morning at night taking temperatures and trying to catch them as quick as I could. We've got collars, which helped a lot, um, but it's awful. And I'm still getting cases. I've done the first vaccine, but oh, it, oh, it just knocks them around so much. Um, but yeah, so I just said to myself, I was like, right, I need time off after dairy week once I get it out of the way. So yeah, I like to do camping. Um, I probably don't get a lot, a lot of time to do much else, but through the winter, I do play netball. Uh, let's broaden this out to the wider industry. Um, nice big question here: challenges and opportunities um, uh, that dairy farmer, but perhaps ag in general um, faces in in Australia. Um, just interested in your perspective. Yeah, so. Probably ag in general would be the water scarcity and the frequency of weather extreme, um, you know, uh, eastern states with all the flooding that they've been having. It's crazy. Um, you know, they just get going again and then something happens again. So um, that definitely makes it very difficult. And then it also, when it's happening to the dairy areas, like it's affecting the milk supply and their viability. Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's again and again, wherever you are in the world, it's it's more in the, it's the story everywhere, certainly up in the UK at the moment. Um, a lot of people have lost winter crops. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pastures underwater. It's um, it's quite mad. I mean, in, in terms of climate change directly to your farm business, um, and I suppose the sustainability offering going forward, what is your what are your plans um, for mitigation going forward? We can store water like in dams. So we've built, uh, well, sorry, we dug uh, a big dam down here at home so that we could sort of have that extra water, really. Um, but then also probably like to be sustainable, uh, we've got grants to, and we have used them for planting trees and fencing off waterways. So we're trying to do as much as we can. We're obviously dry land farming. You know, we could, put in a big bore and go really deep and be guaranteed that water but you know that's that big cost too and there's already high production costs in Australia so you know whatever we can do um, to sort of like help ourselves without having huge costs and we're also putting in more uh, deep rooted sort of pastures to try and get uh, get the moisture and the nutrients from down lower and using more mixed species crops uh, through the summer and using plants that fixate their own nitrogen. So clover and peas would be our biggest ones, uh, yeah, to reduce our urea or nitrogen output. You've seen <laughs> positive results with that so far? Yeah, no, it's been really good. And not only that, using the mixed species crop too, I have way less health problems with the cows. Um, you know, once upon a time, we just put rape straight in. And, you know, if a cow gets a gut full of it, you know, they've got photo the next day and or that afternoon, half the time. And, you know, you're trying to get the antihistamines into them really fast. And I haven't used touch wood um, antihistamines for two years. So wow. really good. Fantastic. Um, let's turn to labor, the labor situation, um, which is a, a classic. Again, wherever you are in the world, it seems to be an issue. Um, what's the what's the case in Australia and and for those workers who are coming, where are they coming from? There wouldn't be a, on dairy farms, what I think, or even or even just looking online, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of Australians who are putting their hands up to 
to work on dairy farms in comparison to, well, the backpackers, they need to do their 88 days, otherwise they have to leave or they can't get a second year visa. There's plenty of them at the moment, but um, I'm pretty sure Australia is bringing something in to reduce the amount of uh, visas that they're doing next year. Sorry, this year probably. Um, because of the cost of well, cost of houses and stuff, so they think if they reduce the amount of people that come in, they'll stop. They reduce the amount of houses that are being bought, and more houses for Australians. So, you know, but that then will affect uh, the amount of labour that is around for farmers. So, you know, they try and help one, but they burn another. And uh, uh, just uh, turning briefly again to to policy, um, how how hands on slash hands off is the government at the moment, and um. What's what's the farming view on that? I don't think I think you could ask any farmer anywhere in the world, and they will always say the government doesn't do enough. <laughs> and I think it's just you know it's having not only just the person like in government, but those the ones below it having the right uh, people leading you, I guess, and fighting for the things that uh, is to suit sort of everyone. Obviously, um, you know, like I like to think that they do have the farmer's mind or farmer's heart and mind but you know it's it's hard to say because you know they might not be affecting the dairy industry too much right now but like the the way that they've um they want to reduce the export market and stuff but australia uh, relies quite heavily on that and you know it's um it's hard because yeah there's always something going on and i can't even keep up with it half the time uh, I had someone ring me before and he was like, did you catch the news today? And I was like, nah. And he goes, neither did I. And it's terrible. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Meet the Farmers is brought to you by Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialise in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organisations and communities like you tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be, getting your message out there and networking with leaders in your niche. Rural Pod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk. That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk. Uh, let's turn to the future of your farm um, in terms of innovation or anything that you'd like to do in future. I'm also interested in sort of, are, are you going to specialize more in dairy? What, what's going to happen with the sheep? Are they going to stay? Yeah. So future for me is definitely, I want to specialize in the dairy. So the sheep have been like nice, handy sort of side income while they were cheap um, to buy and just self generating basically. And then what I want to do is, and I will end up getting rid of the crossbred, breeded out of them. Um, and then one day, hopefully, I can afford to take this place over. <laughs> that is the aim. But gosh, that's out of arm's length right now because I have a house down the road that I'm renovating and that's sort of bleeding me dry right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, so the idea is that, yes, I do take over and hopefully find someone nice to settle down with you know that'd be nice yeah. <laughs> I'm nearly 30 I'm 30 this year but no it's good and I hope that like my sister stays on to do the books and stuff she's very very good and she's um 
definitely a great rock for me when I'm having a bad time or, you know, things are getting a bit overwhelming. She's definitely, um, yeah, I'm very lucky. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that's the farm. Um, uh, you, you, you've already alluded that you do quite a lot of wider industry stuff. So I'm just really interested in, yeah, where you see yourself, I suppose, going forwards with, with regards to that as well. I have thought like a fair bit about sort of if I could do more industry stuff, but then also I look at the people that are doing it now and they're, they're generally a bit older. Um, they probably have managers on their farms, and at the moment I really love being so active on the farms. so I wouldn't increase too much I, I am in the Western District Jersey Breeders Club and also um, in the YDN the Young Dairy Network here so um, I'm the leadership team for that so I am doing definitely plenty and I don't think at this stage I need to probably increase too much more but I think at the moment too, the more I can learn from others and the mentors, uh, I think is invaluable. So I wouldn't want to jump in to an industry role without feeling confident that um, that I could you know, do really well in it. Yeah. No, it certainly sounds like you've got plenty going on anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not adding anything else is a good idea. Just a little more about our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. Same people, different name. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. So for more information, visit howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural. Uh, time is flying. So we're going to move on to the quick questions. These are a bit of fun. Uh, the first is your all-time favorite country to visit outside Australia. Well, I, I'd have to say Ireland. Like it's nearly an annual trip to be quite honest. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I definitely love going there. Like as soon as you're flying in and you see all the hedges and all the square fields, I'm just like, yeah, okay, this could definitely be my second home. <laughs> yeah. do, 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 do you have any Irish roots? Because clearly you're, you're fairly obsessed with Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Well, obviously, I'm a McGrath. Mum is a Dwyer. We come over here like 1850s sort of thing. So many, many moons ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just always sort of took a liking to it and um, love their history and all that. So, yeah, just probably don't love the cold. <laughs> Yep. And finally, the final questions. Uh, if you have a message for the public, any message, what would it be? Uh, definitely consume more dairy. Uh, if you eat your daily requirements, uh, there's huge health benefits and it's highly nutritious. Short and sweet. I like that. And yep. uh, finally, your message for your fellow farmers. One thing um, that I probably work with uh, myself is you know, that there's plenty of hard days, but the good days outweigh the bad. Um, so, you know, keep pushing and definitely find yourself a support person, someone that you can talk to and trust. Good advice, I think. Um, I think we'll leave it there. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's, yeah, it's been great to gradually this year, just trying to do more international stuff, get out to speak to farmers in other, in other countries um, and, yeah, it's been brilliant to have your insight. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Um, that is it for today. Uh, big thanks to my guest, Rachel McGrath, uh, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, thanks to our primary podcast sponsor, Howden Rural Insurance, who support the show. Uh, any links and any extra info is in the show notes. Um, next time, we'll be back in the UK, um, and I'll be speaking to agricultural consultant Niels Caulfield. So I hope you can join me for that. For now, though, I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you all have a great day.